You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. with myself Mace myself French myself Andrew and today we're joined by a very 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 special guest we have Hayley Quinn here and I'm not even going to attempt to go into all the stuff Hayley's done Hayley do you want to introduce yourself say what you're about Okay, I'm going to big myself up on this Please. occasion. So, um, most I did a TED Talk called Searching for Love to Escape Ourselves. That, I'm just going to say as a footnote, did that kind of off the cuff and on the fly, and it really connect, turned out really connected with a lot of people. It's got over a million views. I run the biggest dating coaching company within the UK. I work for Match.com as their sort of ambassador and advisor in the UK and Europe. Done a lot of TV shows, quite a few podcasts, but I'm really excited to be here, guys. Excellent. Very Excellent. As, as you've probably guessed, um, season six will be relationship-based and our book will be covering, reading, reviewing and gathering Haley's input for is called Deal Breakers by Dr. Bethany... And I've forgotten her surname. It's Dr. Bethany... Marshall. Marshall. That's it. Thanks, Haley, for holding the book up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Haley, before we get into the book... Um, I think Pocker had a question for you. Yeah, just before we went on air, and it was in regards to Pox. Please remind me. Um, I was saying, I mean, how do men approach you in regards to um, dating? There, I say. So, I've, interestingly, this is a weird anomaly about the dating industry or dating coaches. Dating coaches usually only work with men or women, okay. and it's usually the opposite gender so like female dating coach works with men male dating coach works with women so i'm one of the only people out there that actually work with everyone and not necessarily straight people it could be basically i've got different training programs and what i find is whilst men and women kind of approach dating with a slightly different set of problems and there's a lot of asymmetry in the problems that they experience i think a lot of the teaching methodology or what's good for people comes back to actually being more like universal principles so whilst guys might have a thing where well i did a survey let's start with that i did a survey to my men's newsletter and then my women's newsletter the men tended to be kind of more at the no one wants to have a date with me or I can't get a second date or women are ghosting me whilst um, (laughs) women came back with I can't find enough high quality men so men were more general they made it more like you know they actually just wanted to meet more women whilst women found it was about not that they can't meet any men but they can't meet the right quality of guys so I thought it was interesting because I know we're going to look at deal breakers yeah in deal breakers a lot of it is how how they're kind of assessing or going about looking at what it means to be a high quality guy and before we start can I ask a question Um, how did you get involved in your field Um, I wish I had a doctorate um, but I don't I actually had a really weird introduction to the dating industry about 10 years ago um, I was just about to graduate I really wanted to be a writer I stumbled upon a community called the pickup artist community okay and these are men who teach other men yeah I've heard of that yeah yeah the book I forget the game yes the game (laughs) does it revolve around the book the game is that is that how it's how they pick Uh, up 
Kind of. It basically the game detailed some of like the forerunners of it, and also just these guys were also who these dating coaches were also early adopters of a lot of other stuff like the internet no the nomad digital nomad lifestyle, some niche health trends, and they were basically traveling around the world teaching men how to meet women, which sounds like quite a cool gig. Um, and I started out being one of their bloggers and writers, so I would ghostwrite their content for them. So I would just go and pretend to be like a 42-year-old man when I was, in fact, a 23-year-old woman. So I was a little fictionalized. Um, and then after that, I managed to get my break coaching men as the female opinion on a prominent pickup company at the time. Then eventually managed to splinter off and get enough of my own sort of client base that I was then able to work with women as well and then start just keep broadening things out. And now my team and I teach training courses about meeting people in real life to men and women, as well as looking at things like trends in modern dating and how we're kind of experiencing love. Okay. And how, uh, um, a couple of minutes ago, you, a couple of moments ago, should I say, you mentioned that usually as a dating coach, you'll only kind of have clientele from the opposite sex. Right. Why is that the norm? And why, how comes you have, you kind of interact with both sexes and kind of, I think I interact with both because I don't think it should be the norm. Okay. Because then we're basing all dating, coaching, and personal opinion. It's like, hey, if you want to date someone like me, take my advice. And I think that's kind of lame. It's the same thing as being like, you know, follow my advice because I've had, you know, sex with all these women or follow my advice because I'm happily married with two children. You know, whatever it is, I think that actually doesn't really get to the core of being a good, for me, being a good coach is trying to find out what, that individual's version of happiness and success is and helping them to work towards that rather than being like, I call it like Moses of dating where you come down and you're like, these are my rules. If you want to be like me, this is how you live by them. Because I think that's kind of a bit, it's just not really my vibe. And because of that, I wanted to keep things as, whilst I believe men and women are different, I think that we can have a lot of more transparency in terms of how we communicate with one another. We can try and look so, for instance, that not all biases are against women. You know, it goes both ways. And I think actually by becoming more empathetic towards what the other side of the Bitcoin is going through, it really helps to improve you and your dating experience. Um, just quickly uh, going in and more about you just for a moment. I did watch your, your TED talk, which is really good and really personal. And um, one of the things that I did pick up was that you said that you chose your own name. Could you mm -hmm. explain that a little bit more? Totally. So this is sort of linking into my um, stumbling into the pickup artist industry. Uh, another weird anomaly about the world of dating coaches is a lot of the time you start, you adopt a different name to go by and there's some really common there's some really prominent ones out there like mystery um ross jeffries these are all these big players in that but they've all had pseudonyms and i guess i was at the time though not now trying to sort of i think differentiate who i was from who i was in the past like i wasn't very comfortable or very accepting of my upbringing you know and i didn't want to identify with that i just wanted to kind of like brush it off and also take on this like super alter ego that gave me this ability to work in the world of dating and really explore dating sex and relationships and have a lot more power than the sort of introverted shy poor girl growing up in a rural community what's been cool about it in the end is that it's now not my identity it's kind of actually grown into something sort of slightly bigger than myself and 
HayleyQuinn.com isn't me. It's like a team of people that have the same ideals around how to coach and connect with people. So in the end, it's ended up pretty all right. Um, do you know what? When I first saw Hayley Quinn, I don't know if you've been told before, but Harley Quinn as well. So I'm sure you must, you must get that. Yeah, totally. So Hayley Quinn was... I said I just started blogging in the um, pickup industry, but at the same time I was also teaching English and creative writing to school children. So I needed to have an alias to write under, and so I was sat at the back in the back garden, and my, one of my girlfriends was just like Haley Quinn, like Harlequin, you know, like yeah. Batman, you know. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, and then I said I took it on, and for a while I said I was living and breathing Haley Quinn, but in a way. I found out that when you try to live your life as this sort of like superhero-esque version of yourself, it doesn't really work out for you all that well at times. And it was actually really important to reconnect with my real identity and to go back to that. Okay, so moving on onto the book, Deal Breakers by Dr. Bethany Marshall. So for those of you that actually haven't um, read the book or have never seen it, it is a book which has a pink cover, cover, should I say, and from memory, I believe that it's a, it's of a woman's hand flicking away a, a, a gentleman at the top of the page. Well, right in the dead centre of the book. The book. Um, <laughs> so, with no further ado, Dr. Bethany Marshall, the author of the book, is a psychoanalysis who proclaims to help women improve their relationships and love lives. Her book is called Deal Breakers, and a deal breaker. Um, in its most kind of general term, is the one non-negotiable term, if not agreed to, means the deal is off in terms of... It could be in a business sense, but for this purpose, it's in a relationship sense. With that being said, on page one, Dr. Bethany Marshall states that she can usually tell within the first few minutes whether the problem is a deal breaker or not, and soon after determining whether or not the person she's seen she's seeing at her practice should walk away or not from the relationship she's in. So my question to, to the group, to yourself, French, Hayley, please get involved in Topoka. Would you act on the, advi- on the advice on your relationship from someone who has never met your partner because they're a professional, and I put that in inverted commas, in their field? Um, I don't think I would... Per se, I'd want. If it depends, because if you're gonna get like something like a marriage counselling or something like that, then mm-hmm. it'd be best if you're you're both present, so you can both go through whatever techniques or. But this person's claiming they're an expert. Sorry to cut you short, but yeah. she's claiming she's an expert. I've seen tons and tons of clients. I can tell within the first couple of minutes. Yeah, I wouldn't take that on board so much personally. Sean Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Hayley, what's I mean, you're the professional in this field. What kind of give me your perspective, give me your opinion. Can you tell within the first couple of minutes whether someone who's who you're trying to help in in terms of meet people, whether they're doomed or whether they've got a chance of finding love. You tell me. <laughs> well, first of all, I wouldn't say anyone's doomed. I avo- I try and avoid doom as a as a vibe for the coaching sessions. Um I come at this obviously from quite a different perspective. Um, For for me, even though I might have an instinct and I think probably like uh, lovely Dr. Bethany, I've worked with a lot of people. So you kind of can get a sense quite early on sometimes or an intuition, okay, this is probably roughly the area that we're going to be looking at. However, I think it's so important. It's part of just what I believe in to not be too prescriptive in terms of how you're talking to people. So for that, I would probably start the beginning of a 
talk or something, or in fact, how I started my webinar this morning, I said, look, there's going to be some stuff in here you're going to be like, wow, yes, that I really relate to that. And I was like, if that's the case, make note of it and take it on board. There's going to be other things where you're going to be like, no, pretty much got that covered. And that's okay. Or there's going to be other things that you just don't feel are congruent to you. So I try and actually empower people to become more discerning themselves and come to their own conclusions rather than me telling them to directly what my opinion is. And I think the other thing that's a bit problematic about it is if you're just speaking to one party, obviously I'm a big believer that all stories have at least two sides. And so I think because of that, you're going to be getting a biased dialogue, even with the best intentions to say something in the most like neutral way possible. So because of that, I think it would be, I think it's going to be, I would imagine it's really difficult to come to a clear conclusion. And whilst it might make like a snappy and compelling, you know, intro to a book, do I think you should read any blog, listen to this podcast, have a coaching session with me, and then, you know, decide that that's forevermore how you should live your life? No, because that's actually uh, abandoning your free will and your ability to create change yourself. And I think if you disempower the person you are working with by saying, hey, you have to listen to everything I say, that's not doing them any favours. In fact, if they're coming to you because they think that they might need to work on their personal boundaries or break up a relationship or make some big change, I'd say you want to work the other way around and really try and empower them and build their confidence to come to their own conclusions. What about you, Keith? Um, I agree with one of the points you made actually in regards to um, her seeing both parties I think it's very very difficult to make a decision based on seeing one person also me personally as you kind of know I like to take everyone's opinion on board mm -hmm. I may not take your opinion on board I, I like to make decisions you know quite independently um, although I do like taking opinions as I just said but yeah I think I'll take your opinion on board but then I'll, I'll have the final say in regards to whether I believe this person is for me or whether it is not a deal breaker or otherwise. Um, on page 11, moving on further in the book. So on page 11, Dr. Marshall states that a man's willingness to call in advance and take a woman to dinner is an indicator of his willingness to invest his emotions in her. Now, <laughs> French, you're laughing. <laughs> Hayley, you've come into a bit blind, but French and Poco and I go way back and we know French's personality. Him wanting to take a female to dinner is not necessarily a willingness in... <laughs> in <laughs> I'll leave it there. Um, but I know that... I mean, I've, I, I'm 34 now. Um, I know I only look 21. Thank you, Hayley. Yeah, <laughs> That's what you're thinking. Um, but um, I know when in my younger days... When I've when I've met females and I've had one thing on my mind, I'll put I'll pull out all the stops trying to get to that place. Yeah. So me willing to take someone to dinner does not for me show my kind of my long term plans. Do you know what I mean? I mean now I, I'm in a happy relationship right now, and if I'm I mean when I in terms of engaging with my current partner and how we met, the whole dinner thing was to get to know her, but it wasn't all focused on one thing. Yeah, yeah. but the fact that. Dr. Bethany, Dr. Bethany Marshall states that if someone's willing to take you dinner, it's, it's showing that they're willing to invest your emotions. I think it's a load of BS. I don't know. What, what's your guys' thoughts? I, I agree. It, I think... No, I mean, sorry, French. It could mean that he is willing to, but she's kind of... On page 11, if you've read the book, P, um, <laughs> she, she kind of makes out that it's... it's, 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 it's Most it's, it's written in Yeah, written it's written in stone. stone. Exactly. It's yeah. written in stone. He's, he's willing to take you dinner. Yep, he's a keeper. He's someone that's that's willing to invest your money. He's supposed to know all about your life. Whereas, as guys, 
as as quiet <laughs> raunchy guys, <laughs> raunchy guys in our younger years, we um we'd be willing to pull out all the stops. Yeah. I'm glad you're saying this actually because yeah. I did a webinar for my women's one of my women's coaching groups going renegade earlier today, and I literally brought this up. I was like, I was like, okay, let's be real here. You might have a strong. He might go in strong for a first few dates yeah. because he wants to impress you. He wants to know that you like him. He wants to manage his own fears of anxiety because guys will feel it most like before they approach a woman before they ask her out before they kiss her before they take her they'll be like that's when they're like uh 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 mm-hmm. so because of that they might go all out but then is that sustainable is he going to be end up being consistent and I think actually it's the consistency bit that's the important bit so it needs a big asterisk saying like and also not always that people show thought and care is through taking someone for dinner like that's really nice but I think it should be about the quality time not about like a steak do you know what I mean very true French what's your thoughts yeah I agree okay (laughs) (laughs) no I totally agree Um, I guess do you know what not to give away the book review that we're going to do, but there is a lot of points in the book that comes up and it's kind of like, what am I reading? What if I just... What's the points that's been made? And we'll go through them as we go along the book, but there is a, a few points where, yeah, just... Um, yeah, I don't agree, mm-hmm. to say the least. Please. Myself? No, I don't think it matters whether you take her out to dinner. Um, for me, I mean, as you mentioned before, you are talking about quality time. For me, it's about the time that you invest with the person. I'm more like, I want to kind of get to know you and make you feel comfortable selling on the first couple of dates or certainly the first date. So whether I take her for a fancy dinner or whether I take her somewhere where it's not quite fancy, I don't think really makes a difference. What's your typical? Tell me about your typical first date. Um, <laughs> is, 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 are you a fancy type of guy? You no, I'm not actually. No, 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 actually. Um, what kind of guy are you? I'm a barish type of person because I really want to like kind of just a really loud bar where you can't really hear the other person. Nah, I'm not really bad. I'm about conversation. Don't <laughs> listen to me anywhere, shape or form. I'm about conversation, so I wanna I wanna get to know you. Yeah, I, wanna, I really want to get to know you, if I'm honest. And then from there, I don't know, crack a few jokes, all that type of stuff, just make you feel really comfortable. And then from there, take you from there. So, but again, it might depend on the type of person it is. I might feel the needs. You know, I might have to pull out all the stops in the, on this first date or the first couple of dates. Whereas the type of person I might be talking to might be a bit more laid back and a more laid back scenario might suit the both of us but Hayley because you mentioned earlier about the consistency so I, I'll admit it there might be someone I'm really keen really interested in and yeah the first two or three times I know I'm able to keep this up this kind of here's your here's our first date 200 pound dinner order the champagne but like you, you're trying to pull pull over all the stuff you might be trying to win someone over because you actually what you might be trying to do is get them to invest in you if that makes sense eventually mm. if that makes sense you want them to get to know you and maybe by doing that you have to pull out all the stops to show that you're being dead serious about them you're not just going to take them for a, a cheeky nandos as they say um, do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, okay. so you saying Hayley you saying about consistency it, it, it might be hard to keep that up and obviously whenever you meet someone new whether that is on a dating scene or whether that's just some me and you meeting today everyone has something new to bring to your life or something new that they con- can contribute and everyone's interesting when you first meet them and that also goes with um, someone who you might want to form an emotional attachment or a relationship with so there's going to be it, 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 for me it's going to naturally kind of fall into this kind of like just um, not plodding along but kind of it, it drops into its natural comfort or natural state mm-hmm. after a while yeah, so you made a point about consistency do you not believe that the first two or three dates someone is going to try and pull up sort of look their best whether whether it's the, the lady looking her best and putting on their best glad rags and perfume and makeup anyway, yeah, you put your front foot forward 
So that, yeah, no, but what I'm my, my point is by the fourth or fifth day or maybe the sixth day or you know where you're kind of three months in now, you're not gonna maybe make as much of an effort. Mm-hmm. What, what's your thoughts on that? I think there's just different ways to make an effort. So I think what's important for for instance, if someone happens to be listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, I am actually looking for something that's more serious and more of a relationship, that doesn't to me equate to fancy dinners. That's someone like you know they call a message regularly, they don't drop off the radar, they keep their commitments, they spend their time with you they keep planning things it could be humble things doesn't have to be anything fancy but it's about I think taking that step back and allowing someone you know allow I always say it's about kind of actually having a bit more patience to instead of wanting to jump to a conclusion so if someone takes you out on some fancy first couple of dates you want to go along with the fantasy of it and you'd be like wow my prince has come but instead that might not be what's going down here and instead what you have to do is you have to give it time for someone to you know reveal that who they are so I'm all about you know like if you if that's what you want and that's not what all people want if you want to have something that's more like a serious relationship take it slowly make sure the person is being consistent towards you and also not get too hung up on effort in terms of like money yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah let's yeah, just put it like yeah, yeah. really frankly here because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes we look we have high standards and I'm a thing I think with women's dating sometimes it's good to have high standards, but have them about the right things. You know, don't make it about how tall someone is or how much money they have. And I think with that will always lead you to make rubbish decisions in terms of maybe overvaluing a guy because he looks great on paper. He's got the flashy job or he's done something cool or has a podcast or something. And then, <laughs> hey, look at know. me, i got a podcast. <laughs> but then, you know, you might get carried away with that. And then because he's, you know a lot of the time what happens is women will have the experience of the guy coming on really strong as you I'm literally going to get my female clients to listen to this so they can understand why men kind of go about it that way and then kind of coming to a a premature conclusion that this must mean he's already decided that you're the love of his life and getting really building up a lot of expectations and assumptions in fact I like what all of you are saying here about you know what's the first few dates about I know getting to know someone a bit better having fun chilling out <laughs> you know and then after that it's about how they behave towards you it should be the important thing it's, I, I know in my dating past I used to find it quite difficult because ideally I just want that person to know me for me but at the beginning I know with me I'm worried will she like me for really? me yeah. Yeah, yeah honest to god that's how I used to think okay. and feel honest to god that's good so I, I used to put on this bravado act and, and kind of at the bees knees maybe go somewhere fancy and all that kind of crap yeah. not crap it's, it's good yeah, but at the yeah, same yeah. time you know it's, it's not real it's, it's not it's not real yeah. so this whole kind of and then after the eventually I'm hoping they're warm to me as a person and my character in fact I'm quite jokey like I'm quite I like to think I'm quite witty as well yeah. so I'm hoping they're warm to that and warm to my characteristics but in, initially, in that initial early stages I'm just like I want you to buy into me and I'll, I'll do whatever it takes for you to buy into me to give me enough time for you to see my true personality and hopefully that'll be enough to kind of woo you when you're over all the rest of it P did you because I'm going to move on to chapter 2 did you have any kind of yeah I did so I know we were talking yeah. about um, one or two bits and pieces so um, Bethany counsels both men and women and um, can usually tell as you mentioned um, when it's a deal breakers straight away yeah. is there a difference between men and women in deal breakers and also whilst we're there what is your deal breaker um, sorry is there a difference between men and women in deal breakers yeah. and whilst we're there what is your deal breaker I mean do that's, you know that's two good questions French will let you kick off 
Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, is there a difference between... I, 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 Men and women's deal breakers. Yeah, yeah. So, but definitely. obviously just speak from your own... Pers- well, you can speak from your own or friends or family. I'm trying to think yeah. of what I would consider actual deal breakers because mm. it, it varies from person to person and situation to situation. So I, I couldn't say, right, this particular one thing is a, it's off for me now. Do you know what okay. I mean? So... I guess for men and women it would be different as it is for each individual person and what was the second part sorry um, what is your deal breaker I mean you don't have to answer that again that's what I said I don't I don't I can't put a finger on what this particular they can't do this or they shouldn't do this and it's off like it, it varies I mean I think the type of thing I was thinking about yeah. I mean again as you mentioned as you mentioned anyway, I was thinking about selfish behaviour childish immature okay, behaviour okay. and really ignorant behaviour these are things that straight that away just see with that I wouldn't really class them as deal breakers not to say you're not a deal breaker but I would recognise those traits before mm. I even consider taking them serious so it wouldn't yeah it wouldn't have been a deal in the first place what about you, Henny? From what's your well, your deal breakers? What what would you say? That's a big no-no for me. Across the line, not going any further. Okay, I'm going to go back to like <laughs> a bit of the RESPECT. Okay. So respect. So yeah, if yeah. someone, you know, I'm a busy woman here, and I I know it sounds really like a bit confrontational, but if someone doesn't respect my time, that's a really big deal for me. So. For instance, last minute cancellation of plans or actually my love language is quality time. So I actually really like someone to spend time with. That's really important to me, quality time and touch. So if someone can't relate to me that way. Um, also, I guess I got kind of quite clear in terms of what sort of relationship I wanted um, and what form that would be in. And I agree, people are really different. You know, people have different opinions on monogamy. People have different opinions on infidelity. And I have a problem with, you know, saying that my world experience is going to be the same as everyone else's world experience. So whilst I might want a particular style of relationship for my future, that doesn't mean that has to be the same for everyone else. I do think things like, you know, do you want to live together? Do you want to have children? Do you want something more yeah. serious? Yeah. Or are you just not in the phase in your life to yeah. want that? Or in fact, do you want a more poly lifestyle or a more monogamous one? Like these are quite fundamental, I think, in terms of the trajectory of the relationship. All those sort of smaller niggly points. I agree. I would think that commitment isn't something to like rush into or it's not a goal to get towards it's better to kind of establish like you said that you've got that degree of connection shared values you appreciate the other person's personality um, before you would even get to the stage where as you said it's a deal Absolutely. Mm. Um, for me so one of them is a very small thing and something that would have, would be established before we got into something serious but I'm just no to smoking so I wouldn't be with someone that that smokes basically okay. and what's funny is so my Current, my current partner, my current girlfriend, who I've been in a relationship with for a while. When we first met, the first time we actually met, she smoked about 10 cigarettes while we were chatting. We met in a pub and she smoked about 10 cigarettes. I remember um, we didn't exchange numbers that evening. We actually got introduced through someone who works within both our fields, who had worked with both of us. We didn't exchange numbers, didn't we? We got on really, really well. So I remember every like five or ten minutes, she'd be like, I just got to go smoke a cigarette. Do you want to come outside? I said, all right, fine. Didn't exchange numbers. And I think then following the day, she added me on LinkedIn. Okay. And then we started speaking on LinkedIn. I think the first time we spoke properly about kind of meeting up or whatever, I kind of said, and we were talking about, oh, what we tend to go for, what we like in people. I said, well, I, will, I refuse to be with someone long-term who smokes. 
And I said to her, look, I'm not saying to you, stop smoking. But what I am saying is that I won't be with someone who smokes long term. So the decision, the ball rests in your court. Yeah. Simple as that. And she gave up smoking. She's given up smoking. And I... So I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that Mason. <laughs> um, and I think the other, the other thing is... Um, I need to be with someone who's committed. And one of the things that um, I remember my last, when I say committed, I'll break that down. So um, my last relationship th- that I was in, um, I'm very much a person. If I get into a relationship with someone, I'm always thinking long-term. Like I'm of an age now, I've, I've had my fun. I'm of an age now where time is important. It's very important to me. And if I'm going to be with someone, if I'm going to be with you, um, I'm thinking long term or something, thinking three, four, five and longer. I'm not thinking about three, four, five days or months. And one of the things that kind of that turned me off from my last relationship was the fact that every every time we had a little argument, and I wouldn't even call it, I call them kind of com- conflicts of interest or debates or whatever, but if we had a little falling out, it would be that's it, it's over, delete my number, I don't want to hear from you. And then the next day I'll get an apology. But every time that person done it, it pushed me further, further away. And all I kept thinking in my head is, I can't plan for the future with you. So like I want to plan your birthday next month and a week before we have a little bit of falling out and you just say, it's over and I've got to hopefully wait until you've decided actually what I've just said is ridiculous. I still want to be with you. I couldn't plan like that. So the very last time that person said that to me said, I can't be with you. I said, you know what? You're right. I'm probably not right for you. And that's how it ended. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the other thing. It's about commitment. I'm always thinking, I, th- I just think you can get over kind of small falling out arguments. I'm about commitment and seeing the bigger picture. Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. Willingness to like come back to the table and work on it and talk it through. It's not very like sexy and exciting, mm-hmm. but having that, you know, the fact that it's like, okay, it's not always going to be fun. It's actually at times going to be difficult. And at times I'm going to have to do stuff, you know, because that suits you or it suits your family or this whole bunch of other commitments that I've now taken on board. I'm going to have to compromise. I'm going to have yeah. to give up this bit of freedom that, so that's why I don't get it. Why people, people sort of like rush towards commitment because it is as it says on the tin it is a commitment you know so you've got to be emotionally mature enough Mm -hmm. to be able to turn up and do that and it sounds like with your um, ex-girlfriend she was feeling kind of insecure for whatever reasons within the relationship trying to test (laughs) doing that classic thing of push away Mm -hmm. test the person's resolve Mm -hmm. but you know what those um that sort of very like romanticized view of relationships that we've been given from like love in the movies and stuff that actually creates havoc in day-to-day life i'm a fan of being someone's friend Mm -hmm. trying to keep stuff calm most of the time yeah it doesn't mean that you're always like i don't know smashing a plate and then someone has to chase someone else down the street with a bunch of red roses but it makes day-to-day life and reality which we're living in much easier and much nicer Mm -hmm. did you have any um questions you want to put in this kind of this realm of questions okay yeah so I'd want to see one or two more ways in an intro and then from we can move on so this might be a little bit controversial but hey ho Um, women often accept relationships in which they are constantly negotiating now this is a statement for myself just kind of agreeing Um, so a statement from the book that you're agreeing with no no, this is my statement Mm. alright so I agree with this because from the outside sometimes um Sorry, I agree with you. You agree with your own statement? No. What was the original statement? Okay, this is from the book. (laughs) All right. Women often accept relationships in which they are constantly negotiating. Andrew. (laughs) I agree with this because from the outside looking in, they seem to um, seem to be keen to get into a relationship. Always almost as if it defines them at times, always defining. Why are women keen or why is it important for women to be in a relationship? I'm gonna say probably more so than men that kind of hopefully balances things out and saves me. 
Is that to all of us? Or um, no, actually, to, maybe to yourself. I don't know, you might be a two. Um, I, I don't know. I don't agree with your point that, okay. about you're saying that it's more important for women to be in a relationship. What I would say is from the female friends I have, and at the age I'm at now, I know that one of the big things that a lot of them speak to me about that aren't in relationships, they're thinking about family, they're thinking about kids. And those, I know those are kind of the, their internal clocks. Is that what you call yeah. it? And those are the things that I know are, are kind of at the forefront of their minds when they're thinking about, I need to, I, oh, I should be with someone. I, 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 should, I should be married by now. I need to be with someone. Or when am I going to have kids? That, those are the things that I'm, are often in discussion that I'm often in discussion with my female friends who are around the same age group as me and maybe maybe that could be a driver into why women might feel like they, they're in need of a relationship more than men that's why I, I think that answers the question well it's just my perspective no no I but I think that's question. a very good answer so I'm thinking that was the answer to the question I'm going to jump in as well and say that women also I think apart from you know if you want kids or not they have an I would say negative social penalty negative. around being single past a certain age that I don't think guys have quite so much mm-hmm. not to say that if you know single guys might have more problems with loneliness and isolation so it's not like a picnic for them either mm-hmm. but I think socially the fact that you know a man is a mister a woman is a ms a miss or a missus yes. um bachelor spinster and also women, even if it's not their intention to have a partner or not their intention to have a family, I notice my female clients, they will literally receive a barrage of sort of like misguided comments, stuff like, oh, have you got yourself sorted out yet? Uh, you know, and it's sort of implicit in that, that as a woman or like, oh, you're an attra- attractive woman. There'd be loads of guys that would want to date you. And you're just, some people, sometimes people feel like it's all right even if they don't know the woman very well, to pass a sort of off-the-cuff remark about her relationship status or lack thereof. So I think whilst men are often judged about their success with women in terms of, you know, have they been able to connect and have sexual experiences with lots of different women, I think women are often judged by, do you have a boyfriend or a husband or partner? And if so, how successful is he and how much does he love you? Um, so I think because of that, it adds a lot more sort of stigma, even when women are actually ostensibly quite happy being single. Is actually, I find lots of my female clients, they are not the Bridget Jones stereotype. You know, they've really got their stuff together. They're really successful. They're pretty fulfilled. And because of that, they're not feeling the same sort of need to have a partner although it's something they'd like to happen. So I think why they might experience that more than guys or more intensely, apart from biological aspects, is also just the social pressure and how they're spoken to around relationships. What was that term? I love that. Negative social... Penalty. Penalty, I love that. And you know what? I'm going to add to add to your point, Hayden, just add, add further on to what I said earlier, P. Um, female just because a female seeks out a relationship or she might be in a relationship it does not necessarily mean she's happy it might be that social pressure as to why she's still sticking within that relationship and I'm not gonna go any further than that obviously I have friends and I have family and I'm not gonna say anything else so the reason why I I raised that question was because I think as you delve into the book I think you find like that question was kind of born out of like a female maybe in a hurry to get into a relationship and obviously the book's from a female perspective and then I think a lot of the problems you find in a book is like how did you not see this in the first place? 
I also think women are very hung up or they've been taught to be really hung up on this idea of the right guy. So like I mentioned at the start, it's not that they can't find any men, it's about finding high quality guys. And I think often what they would determine or what they'd qualify as the wrong guy is A, a guy that they never really felt enough connection or attraction to that in their heart of hearts, they sort of knew they didn't want to be in something long term with him or that, it, you know, that little niggle at the beginning, you know, developed into a massive niggle at the end and they had to break up. Or it was a guy that he, he becomes the wrong guy by default because he's not able to offer them the kind of relationship that they want. And because I think women hear a lot about, you know, being left on the shelf or they have a lot of negative messaging around their looks and ageing, I think they fear that pressure of time and they feel it more intensely in the way that guys don't, leading them to... And if you're acting under time pressure, it means you want to make stronger judgments. There's an opportunity cost, dare I say it, to being with... If you're with one guy, but it's not going to develop into the relationship you want, as those months and years tick by, there's an opportunity cost of lost opportunity to meet other guys. And because of that, I think that means that women, particularly what I see, that can actually lead to sort of dating behaviours that are unhelpful, like dismissing guys too early on, being very rigid about the kind of man that they want to attract, not being able to have fun and just experience a relationship and go with it for a bit because they become so fixed on, is it going to be this or not? And you know what? Most of the time I find, though it's like nice you gave that perspective of how you see relationships, I find a lot of times guys approach dating with a bit more of an, I'd say like experiential attitude, which is, is not that actually like the man has the plan and he knows what's going on. A lot of the time the guy is just like going along with it and seeing how he feels. And I think as women, we've been taught to sort of look to the guy and decode these mythical signals as to if he sees us as like wife material or not. And a lot of the time, he's just not even had that thought, you know? Hasn't even crossed his mind. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Hayley, do you know what? So you've raised a couple of points. One of mine is, one of the points that you've just raised is this whole labeling thing and like I know with some of the relationships I've been in the need for labels I, I said earlier that if I'm dating someone and I've invested in you four, five, six times in terms of time quality time whether we've been out for meals whether we've been cinema whether we've just been chilling and, and got to know each other in my head I'm thinking this is for long term I'm always pressured with so what are we? What are we doing? Are we in a relationship? Are we? What am I to you? Like, and I'm just like, if I'm with you now, you you don't you need to understand my time is very precious. The fact I'm spending time means I'm thinking long term. I'm not thinking about any type of labeling. But do you not I'm think not, that's from other people? What's that? Sorry, the labels like they want to label it so they. Can well, it's just what Haley said yeah. about kind of pressure in society about yeah. what was going on. Are you so you're dating this guy? Are you exclusive? Like, yeah, exactly. it's almost like constant yeah, barrage of yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and do you know what you raise another point and it's going to lead on to a question sorry P if you don't have any more questions based on what you're no, talking no, about no, no. it's going to lead to, so um, you said something else and, it, and I straight away I looked at a question I have and it's talking about um, change and Dr. Bethany Marshall in, in chapter 2 I think on page 24-25 she speaks about the fact that if the person you're dating, obviously she's speaking from a woman's perspective. So if the guy you're dating, if he hasn't changed now, he'll never change. Like as in a leopard can't change his spots. What do you, do you guys find this theory to be true? And also from your perspective, Haley, because you, um, because you're, you're in your field, you often speak to men and women. Do you find that they feel like they need to change or they won't change? And is it, is it, are women willing to change 
Oh, sorry, are men, do you find men who are willing to change to meet the right person and also women? Right, okay, change. First of all, I'm going to go out there and say I think people can change if they're rightly motivated. I see people changing all the time. Um, so that would be, gosh, things I've seen guys do particularly. I think if a man is really into a woman, like they, men will cross oceans to see women, literally. But tell me this, is yeah. this, so... What you've just said, he'll cross an ocean, but can he, it's about consistency. So does he want to change or does he just want, sorry, or does he just want to get that woman, show that he's changed for six months or so, and then hopefully she's, invest, she's now invested in him emotionally mm-hmm. that he can go back to being normal. Right. And I think the thing is, what I was going to add to that is the whilst people can change of their own volition, if they want to do it on their own terms, it's actually, I think, good to just let people come to their own conclusions about stuff. I think a lot about a relationship is about acceptance. It's like you've got to have a point there also where you go, this is actually kind of their deal or this is what they're like as a person. And often sometimes things that are could be seen as shortcomings or weaknesses, which we all have, like let's, let's be honest, nobody's perfect. There's usually a positive and a negative aspect to every trait. So someone could be, you could think they're, oh, they're a bit needy. Or does that mean actually they're really emotionally available, they want to spend a lot of time with you? So I think part of it is instead of being critical of your partner and labelling them up as all those other things, it's about actually a bit of personal development here, about coming to a space where you've got to go, actually, either I really accept this person and I choose to cherish them for what they they bring and I'm just going to let go and chill out on some of the other stuff, or I go, either I'm not ready for a relationship and that's why I'm being so critical and pushing them away, or maybe they're just not the right person for me and I need to let go and I think that's a better way of looking at things um, and in terms of personal development just to finish off that point I think if somebody's really motivated you know I've seen people that have you know they've they have quite uh tough forms of like autism and Asperger's learning for years in order to be able to get that job interview or be able to go on a date successfully with a woman. I've seen guys facing huge amounts of rejection. I've seen people with disabilities, including my mum and dad actually, come together and get through that. So people can play on all the challenges they want, but if you really want to do something, you will overcome it. And obviously it's my job as a coach. Mm -hmm. I see people who are like highly motivated to like really change their life every day and I'm often asked like you know is there some people you know you know can't be helped doomed and I think those only people I'd see is I wouldn't say doomed but you know doomed for now is people who don't take that personal responsibility on themselves who blame like dating apps or men or women or whoever they're looking to date for the problems that they have I or blame me <laughs> I think sometimes um if someone's there going look I haven't handled this perfectly so far. This is what I'm good at. This is what not I'm not so good at. This is what I'd like to work on. I'm prepared to go at this and devote some time and energy to it. I have 100% faith that they'll change. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts, French? Do you think, well, men or women, but from the perspective, from the perspective of the book aimed at men, do you think men can change? If, if, if kind of to, to sustain a relationship they're in, if it's not going well, if the woman's not finding that she's... I think men can them. change, but what I found was the problem was, um, why does it always have to be the man to change? Yeah. It, like, why it doesn't, why it's just... But, but my point yeah. being is, why don't... Why, you should look in yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I thought, sorry. 
Sorry, continue. No, it's true. It, it, it is true, but, <laughs> but you're I'm right. Just, but I'm, I'm going from the book and on that page, on the <laughs> yeah. fact that the book's from a woman's perspective, yeah. and it's aimed at him needing to change, which yeah. is why in a book for you it's going to be very interesting to gather your points. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, that so, was such a French thing, by the way. <laughs> so based <laughs> based on the book yeah. and the fact that is he willing to change? Would you be willing to change for someone? It, I would be willing it, to change if, if, aspects. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. I, would I, think say, I think we're all capable of changing. Definitely. Yeah, and I would also think that it's like we're not. Uh, I would always say I'm willing to change because I just don't think we're. Ever, we don't. We shouldn't stop our learning and so development as a person. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a continual process. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone told me to dye my hair blonde, I'd probably tell them to one yeah exactly <laughs> but if I'm in like you know I, I, I no joke truth truth I was um, I could be pretty rigid on some boundaries around like time management and stuff yeah. like that because I'm really busy as you guys are probably appreciated um, but I'm trying like to learn to like chill out on that a bit because yeah. I realised that whilst that's been helpful sometimes it's also a shortcoming so I think if you're not taking active feedback from your environment and from other people and you're just kind of belligerently thinking you're great and everyone else is wrong then that's where the problem is mm-hmm.